Sometimes going to the grocery store can be chaotic. There doesn't seem to be enough time to check the list, make sure everything is there, search for the best prices, and take the time to make sure you get the best quality meat. So let ButcherBox help you out. Giving you peace of mind, ButcherBox delivers high-quality meat and seafood that you can trust straight to your door. No grocery carts required. Humanely raised, no antibiotics or hormones, 100% grass-fed, free-range, and crate-free, what more can you ask for? What about free shipping, customized box plans, exclusive member deals, recipe inspirations, tips, and tricks? You really can't go wrong with ButcherBox. Sign up at butcherbox.com slash morning cup and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. Choose salmon, chicken breasts, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash morning cup and use code morning cup to choose your free for a year offer plus get $20 off your first order. There were two more murders 15 miles away. When police arrived, they found the telephones and electricity lines. We have a weird homicide. The scene described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird... Morning. Cup of murder. Rumors can ruin a person's life. But what if the rumors are all in your head and become something you can't escape no matter how hard you try? On September 4th, 1913, a desperate man committed a desperate act after years and years of rumors that existed only in his head. So if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled, Sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. Born September 22nd, 1874, Ernest August Wagner was the ninth of ten children, in addition to a half-brother and half-sister, who by 1913 had outlived all but three of his siblings. And just before he turned two, Ernest's father, a man with a severe drinking problem, passed away and left the family with no money and no means to keep up the family farm. It was sold and his mother tried to make ends meet by running a small shop. She soon remarried, but due to her unfaithfulness, the marriage ended in divorce when Ernest was seven years old. All of this to say, Ernest was no stranger to death and tragedy. Known throughout the village of Eglosheim, Germany, as the widow's boy, Ernest began harboring suicidal thoughts and suffering from depression from quite an early age, but was able to overcome his hardships and familial poverty and study to become a teacher. His intelligence helped him pass his exams, and he began working as an auxiliary teacher at several schools around Württemberg from 1894 to 1901. Forced to take a six-month break in April of 1900, due to his, quote, severe nervousness and irritability. Things seemed to be looking up for Ernest. After a bit more auxiliary teaching and going to Switzerland for two months to sell some of his poems to newspapers, Ernest was given his full-time teaching assignment in July of 1901 and moved to Mulhausen on der Enns. Sometime during the summer, Ernest overindulged in alcohol and for one reason or another, decided to sodomize a farm animal. Now, despite the fact that no one saw this disturbing act, Ernest became consumed with the idea that he was caught and being blackmailed over his actions. He began seeing signs and hints everywhere that the villagers were mocking him and became so paranoid 
that he felt the need to buy a revolver and keep it on his person at all times so he could evade arrest if necessary. That same year, Ernest had an affair with a woman named Anna Frederique Schlecht, the daughter of a local innkeeper. Ernest hated the Schlecht family, but when Anna found out she was pregnant with the couple's daughter, there was very little he could do and the pair were forced to wed. Anna gave birth to Clara in the spring of 1902, the same year that his beloved mother passed away, and the pair married on December 23, 1903, when she was 10 months old. Four more children followed in quick succession, though, like his siblings, the last died in infancy. The young family, now living in Rattlestetten, made a life for themselves despite the rocky way their relationship began. Feeling a sense of ease that no one in this isolated town could possibly know about his drunken four-way into bestiality, Ernest became known throughout the neighborhood as a, quote, admirable citizen, dignified, somewhat quiet, and a beloved teacher, earning himself the reputation as the best teacher the village had ever had, and began penning biblical and historical dramas in his free time and printing them at his own expense. But the marriage wasn't one of love and admiration. Ernest, though kind to his wife, didn't even feign love for Anna, treating her more like a servant and seeing her as intellectually inferior to him. In the summer of 1904, Ernest again took a trip to Switzerland, where on two separate occasions, he attempted to take his own life, once by drowning and another by jumping off a bridge. Both attempts were unsuccessful because, in his own words, he was too weak. At some point in late 1906, early 1907, Ernest began to fear that the villagers from Molhausen had spread their rumors about his sodomy to his new village and started to feel the same sense of paranoia creep into his day-to-day life. It was at that point that he determined enough was enough and vowed to get revenge on those who he thought caused him misery. The villagers, more specifically, the men in Molhausen. Purchasing a pistol and keeping careful track of his actions and thoughts in a series of diaries and letters, Ernest began riding around on his bicycle, practicing his shooting skills in a remote forest, and from 1909 to 1911, made several requests to transfer to a different school. Finally, on May 1st, 1912, he began his job at a new school in Stuttgart, but from the beginning, swore his fellow co-workers had been informed of his misdeeds. Realizing he could not escape, he finally set a date for his revenge. But as time went by, he realized that his revenge wasn't the answer. No, instead, the only way out of the life that he had begun to hate was to take himself out of it and to save them from a life of pity and slander, decided to take the rest of his family with him. So on September 4th, 1913, at around 5 a.m., Ernest Wagner woke up, walked over to his sleeping wife, and knocked her unconscious using a blackjack so he could stab her to death with no fight or sound. He made sure to aim for her throat and chest, severing her carotid arteries and hitting both her heart and lungs. When he was done, he went into the bedrooms of his two sons, six-year-old Robert and five-year-old Richard, and two daughters— 10-year-old Clara and 8-year-old Elsa, and stabbed each of them in their throat and chest. Each of his victims died of massive hemorrhaging. He then covered them each with a blanket, got out of his blood-soaked nightshirt, cleaned himself up, 
and then packed up three guns and about 500 rounds of ammunition, along with his wife's black veil and a belt. Leaving a note behind saying the family was out of town, ordering milk and leaving a payment, Ernest rode his bike towards Stuttgart and took a train to Ludwigsburg. Once there, he bought a backpack for himself and headed towards his brother's home at around 11 a.m. Finding his brother was out of the house, he spent a bit speaking with his sister-in-law before telling her that he wanted to spend the night in their home after getting his children from Mulhausen, a journey that would take some time so he would need the house to stay open for him well into the night. She agreed, and when she wasn't looking, Ernest hid 228 rounds of ammo in a haystack in the garden. Accompanied by his niece and nephew, Ernest walked to the next train station, where he took a ride a couple towns over at around 1 p.m., and then towards a different town where he mailed out several letters regarding his actions, one of which, addressed to his sister, simply said, Take poison, Ernest. He then returned, got his bike checked, and mailed two copies of his autobiography before leaving for Mulhausen and arriving around 11 p.m. Hidden in the hills, Ernest then girdled himself with a belt, put a cap on his head, armed himself, and headed towards the village. There, and after the heavy rain changed up some of his plans, Ernest set fire to four local barns, the lower half of his face covered by his deceased wife's veil, and began shooting at any and all local men who crossed his path. In total, he shot off 80 rounds of ammunition, shooting 20 and instantly killing eight, with one dying a few hours later, while several buildings burned to the ground. He later said that any female victims who were shot were accidental. He was only looking for men whom he felt wronged him. The massacre ended when Ernest, forgetting to reload his weapons, had to pause for a second, allowing three local men to attack, severing one of his hands in the process and knocking him unconscious. He was then disarmed and left for dead, but found by police around 2 a.m. When he finally gained consciousness, he not only admitted to killing his entire family, but claimed that his intent was to take his own life, but asked instead if they could simply sentence him to death and decapitate him. Instead, Ernest Wagner became the first person in Württemberg to be found not guilty by reason of insanity and was brought to an asylum where he died of tuberculosis on April 27th, 1938. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to hear what terrible thing happened on September 5th. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe.